Welcome to this week's Invisible Not Broken, and I'm finally back with Kiros. I know, I've been so, <laughs> been so busy and then kind of hither, hither and yon around the landscape. and uh, Seriously, we've both been running around and um, it's nice to finally have my co-host back for a minute before you run away again. I swim, uh, I'll do the, the guilt later. Um, yeah. So we are here to talk about a panel that we were both really excited about, um, because we've both been dealing with a lot of this emotion. Yeah. And any of you who are sick know it well. Fear. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one of the reasons why I've been kind of uh, missing is I've had some health problems. I had uh, phantom smells. I had olfactory hallucinations where I all I could smell for two and a half weeks was car exhaust. And it was disturbing. And... I'd gone through everything to check all my sinus stuff to make sure there wasn't something wrong with my sinuses or something going on in my sinuses. So I was down to knowing that it was something wrong inside my brain. And um, I was really stressing out about it, and I was kind of not really feeling social. Um, but thankfully, I've gotten results since, you know, we, we planned on doing this earlier before I got the results. So I was really kind of right in the, the heart of the fear at that point in time. And being the sensitive soul I was, I totally pushed for it because I thought it would be the most authentic. Um, but, so the, the things that it could be, if it's not something in your sinuses, um, is micro seizures inside your brain, specifically in the olfactory center. So the idea of going on seizure medications for the rest of my life wasn't a, a, something I was thrilled with. Um, it could be... Um, a brain tumor, or either early onset uh, Alzheimer's or early onset Parkinson's. And all of those sounded like really horrible things that I did not want to think about. So I've had an EEG, I've had an EK, or an MRI of my brain, no brain tumor, they can't detect anything, so right now we're treating it as if it is microseizures, and hoping that it's not, you know, early onset Alzheimer's or Parkinson's. We'll see if I develop any of the other symptoms. So yeah, I'm still dealing with fear. <sighs> And I think, um, yeah, that's fair. Absolutely. Okay. And I was really good and didn't make any brain jokes. Uh, Not one. <laughs> yet by saying that. <laughs> anyway, on to our topic. Uh-huh. So the, the things, when you before you have an, invi uh, an invisible illness, some kind of disability, you, know, you worry about losing your job, you worry about growing old, things like getting in a car accident, stuff like that. But once you actually um, get one of these little genetic lotteries or, you know, accident lotteries that give you one of these chronic diseases, you start worrying about you're losing your job. Yes, but you're more afraid of losing your job because you're going to lose your health insurance. Here in the good old USA, our jobs are our health insurance. Without the job, with, mm, you have... Some much, of our jobs. There are plenty of jobs that don't even provide the health insurance true. or that you have to pay for the health insurance and the health... In, like, my sister's going to be paying an obscene amount of money, like the amount of money you'd pay for an apartment. Eek. And she works full time, so it's um, that's not even a guarantee. But if you do have health insurance to your job, that's almost like a, a win, and you are terrified to to lose that. Yeah, I mean, I, I've known many people in the past that you know hated their job and they wanted to change jobs, but they were so worried that you know what they would have, what they have might be considered a pre-existing condition, and if they go to a new company, are they going to suddenly not be able to get insurance? And all kinds of things. So they stayed in jobs they absolutely hated just because I have, I have, you know, insurance here that pays for my bill, my medical bills, and I don't want to lose that. I don't want to risk that. It's just a, a moment of 
what we gained with the ACA or what um, so many try to call Obamacare uh, was that pre-existing conditions and so many of you wonderful people are not in the United States. And if you're in a socialized country where, you know, you have the basic levels of medical care, congratulations, I'm jealous. Um, but what we had here before Obama, when Obama got uh, the American Care Act through was... Affordable Care Act. <laughs> Affordable Care Act, thank you. Um was the pre-existing conditions clause that many insurance companies would enact and even enact after the fact. So if you want true fear, let me help you because you could actually even have insurance. And then after you've gone to the hospital, if the insurance deems that you had a pre-existing condition before they signed you up, they could not just cancel your healthcare because that was one thing, but they would then bill you for everything that you had gone through before. Oh, I've never heard of that. That one scares me. That was terrifying to me because it even, um, one of the things that it really affected was um, people in domestic uh, violence situations, which Mm. again, let's just talk about sheer fear. Um, But they would have domestic violence victims as a pre-existing condition. Um, acne could be a pre-existing condition. Right. Um, as far as like the things that I would have been focused on because I have a whole bunch of issues that surround reproductive problems. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to say this the right way. Um, but all of those were considered pre-existing conditions. So yeah. it was crazy the things that you could just go in for an appendicitis and then all of a sudden your healthcare is gone and you are now charged for everything before that. Yeah. That's, I've never heard of that. That's, that's terrifying. I, well, I just going to the hospital when you have a chronic, and like just like leaving all of the regular fears alone, and just yeah. going with what like anyone who's listening to this, like if you have a chronic illness or not, you all know that going to the hospital is scary in America because you have no idea what the bill is going to be. There's no yeah. concept of what that's going to be. Also, if you have insurance, you don't know what the insurance will cover. Yeah, the insurance can just randomly decide that that. Um, that scan, just because, and this was a true case, I, I posted it up on our Twitter, and mostly because it was the same thing that happened to me years ago, was that a woman had pain on her side that her appendix was on. Mm-hmm. She had a fever, and it was blinding levels of pain. She had been a nursing student. She was rushed to the hospital thinking appendicitis, absolutely. All right. this is lining up, had the scan. And it was an ovarian cyst that burst, which any of you listening who know what this feels like, <laughs> You hear me when I say it was blinding levels of pain and you pass out. Um, Anyway, so because it wasn't appendicitis, they charged her the full amount for that scan. How I know that is absolutely true is I had the same thing happen to me. I was charged $16,000 because they did a scan of my side and ended up being an ovarian cyst. Because I, as a layperson, could not diagnose this by myself while I was in agony, they charged me $16,000. Wow. So because I'm a big fan of don't hand over a whole bunch of like bad and negative and freak out and nothing good. Let me explain something really fast because this is how you can get around this stuff is almost every hospital billing center is set up to negotiate, negotiate massively. You just need to keep coming back to them and work on it. And there are ways to get your bill done. I got mine from 16,000 down to 300. Nice. So just letting you all know, there are a lot of different ways that you can work on your bill. It's, it's bad and it should never happen. The system should not be this way. But right. I'll go doom and gloom and then a little sunshine. <laughs> so back to our... I'm, I'm going to keep trying to push us back to this. I stayed on. Look at this. I was even I, on I, the I right know, section of this. I, I know you are. I'm just trying to keep us and going on to the next thing. Because okay. I've also gotten off on and on tangents this time. Um, one of the things we want to definitely... Did you hear him being nice to me? Wasn't that cute? I, hey, occasionally I have to. 
Um, one of the things I want to definitely insert into this fear conversation is the internet is a horrible place to look up your symptoms. Horrible. Self-diagnosis can lead you down scary roads. Don't do it. As his friend listening to him while he was trying to self-diagnose this olfactory thing, it was it was very, I felt bad. Hey, I was really good. I stayed on like the Mayo Clinic and stuff like that. I stayed on reputable I'm sites. and very at- proud of you for staying away from, from WebMD. That was <laughs> that's clever. Because I, I know better. I mean, it, it's predictable if nothing else. You go on there and it is going to be something you're gonna that die. you're going to die. I mean, like, <laughs> it is the most predictable thing when you start typing in symptoms. Um, and you know, back to you know, this is these fears you have. You know, you get into that. What I was meaning by "don't look up your symptoms" is you can get caught in this loop of "oh my god, I'm gonna die. I've got this. I've got that. I've got this." Because all your symptoms are matching up. Because you know, some symptoms cross a lot of boundaries. Um, you can also be really worried about losing your friends because you can't participate in social events. You wouldn't know anything about that, would you, Monica? Uh, you mean the mass exodus of um, <laughs> when I I got sick and had to shut down my business? Yes, that was about um, three quarters of my social circle gone. <laughs> By the way, all of you who stayed, thank you. I love you. And all these <laughs> of you who felt like you had to go, I understand. I get it. And I still love you. Um, but no, that was um, being chronically ill is, is isolating. There's yeah. no other words around what this is like. It is incredibly lonely. Some of you have been incredibly kind to email me at three o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning. And yes, I was awake um, (laughs) to tell me that this helps you guys um, on those like one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning loneliness. Mm -hmm. And we are so glad we are here for you. You guys do keep us recording this. Even when I start to feel like I'm not able to keep doing this, I get those emails. (laughs) Like, yeah, I hear you. I'm scared too. I'm lonely too. Um, losing friends is such a huge thing, and um, that's that's one thing. Now, there's a lot of people on my groups that lose family. Yeah. And losing friends, that's, that is hard. There's no way around it. That is incredibly difficult to handle um, the isolation and the rejection. Uh, to yeah. handle that from spouses or children or, um, or you know, siblings or parents or uh, to have what was supposed to be your support network crumble or be afraid of that crumbling... Or, or the judgment, or, yeah. <laughs> or people feeling like they need to take responsibility for you. There's a lot to unpack to that. Yeah. And, you know, you're always worried about things like, am I ever going to get better? Am I, you know, going to lose my self-control? You know, is, is you know, someone else going to have to take care of me where I don't have agency anymore? Man, speaking as a 40-something-year-old woman who now has her mother driving her around everywhere, can I, I mean, and that's not even like the little you're talking about, but just... Losing that adult autonomy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, so difficult. But when you're, um, like, I remember my grandmother got really sick, like, losing bladder control and bowel control Ooh. and having to have strangers come in to help her. And um, that was probably the most difficult thing for her and for her her psychological level. And I know a lot of you are dealing with um, different things from kidney to colon issues and the bravery y'all have shown and how you handle these things. I'm so impressed. Um, but I think all of us, like as we're standing on the precipice of a diagnosis, yeah, it, it, it's a, a chasm there. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you're always hey, human nature. You're always worried about that worst case scenario going on there and you know, Oh, I've got this. Is oh, that human nature or is that just us? <laughs> like, I, are there really positive people out there who go, it's going to be fine. <laughs> Yeah, and I and I, for me, whenever someone go, oh, it's going to be fine. I'm like, yeah, your face says that, but I buy. <laughs> no, I don't buy it. 
I don't buy it. You can't have be in that level of pain and go, it's going to be fine, and, and not be in your head going, I'm going to die. <laughs> See, I'm like trying to like skim through here to go, are we going to get to this one topic? Oh, we, get us off, I'm going to get us off trap nope. real quick. We're, yes, we're, I, we're, no, gonna, I want to finish at least this, this this first part, then we can then we can jump. But okay? it really had something to do with what you just said. <laughs> fine. Go okay. ahead, jump. I'll, I'll do, I will just do just, a headline just, of it and we can get to the whole part of it later. Get it out but with it. No, you were talking about the precipice and the fear, and I was just thinking. Actually, you were. But... <laughs> <laughs> I swear to everyone, we are not related. We are not brother and sister. Um, we have. Uh, we <laughs> he just tries to give me the sibling experience. I think since I was an only child, he's just really trying to just make sure I have a full rounded life experience. I'm just showing you all the love. Mm, in my heart. I feel all the love. All right. Um, <laughs> what I was going to say <laughs> was that one of the things that I, um, if you read our Twitter, or you um, go Instagram or our YouTube, I just had that experience where I was not able to get my pain medication mm -hmm. and I had the tiniest baby mouth mouse's hair's breadth of this experience that everyone's talking about in the middle of the country. People who do not have my level of privilege where those are cut off. Mine wasn't cut off. My prescription was right there from my pain clinic. I am not being decreased. I am, I have the paperwork. I just wasn't able to get it. And I had this moment of thinking, what will my life be like if I didn't, if I can't, if, if these, um, uh, pharmacists are holding the gate keys and are mm -hmm. refusing me my pain meds. What will my life look like? And I just had this small flash of what everyone else is going through. That was my headline, and we can go in depth later. Well, and you did do a video, didn't you? Of like a I day did. without pain meds. <laughs> it's our most popular it's on video. Yep, and it's our most popular blog post uh, for the whole year. Um, and so I'm so glad I could um, make sure I could uh, <laughs> make something. Yeah, you know, it's like Neil Gaiman said: make art out of suffering. So yes, it, yes. that was not art by any scale of the imagination. But I just decided that I was going to. Um, I was going to just give it a try because there's all of these um, interesting people in um, Washington who keep thinking that they know better than the pain doctors and that... Yeah, and you want to move up there. Not that Washington, the other Washington. Oh, sorry. Well, so I keep reading articles about the state of Washington, the pain clinics are closing, so... Uh, they're closing they're here, off. too. I mean, they're, it's everywhere. It's, yeah. um, it's really... Actually, you want to talk about, like, fear-based decisions, which I think we're going to get to in another few months. Do you... Anyone who feels sorry for Kiros, I feel sorry for him, too. Um, <laughs> but, like, the decisions that you have to start making from a place of desperation and fear, it's one of the things we're talking about in this family. Of, yeah. I wouldn't be me without my painkillers. I... Like, all of this, like, any aspect that's pleasant or even funny, that doesn't exist without my opioids. It, mm -hmm. It's not there. I am not me. I am not functional. I am not a good parent. I'm not even, I would even argue, a, a parent at all. Like, I cannot get beyond, like, the internal screaming. So, yeah. to have any kind of life where, like, if this gets worse, yeah, um, we need to make some really serious big life decisions here. Right. And the last two things I had on this first... Before I, I before we start jumping train again. off the rail. No, it's fine. It's fine. The last two things I had about the things you fear are that if you do go out and do things with friends, you're going to have more pain. But if you stay home, you're right there in that missing out on everything and that you know that fear of missing out, FOMO. Ah, yes. Thank you, Tim Ferriss. Um, he's the one who like, uh -huh. made that big decision. I think it's a good one. Um but it's so hard to even like make that decision to go out because fear of you're going to go out and what if the worst happens? Like I just had an episode where I was found unconscious in my house. 
So that was really scary to go out again and go, well, what happens if I'm out and I lose consciousness again? What if I'm out and I have a massive femur dislocation? And Mm -hmm. that's, you know, nothing compared to the fear that you have when you go out socializing with like, well, what if dairy ends up in your your food? Yeah. I mean, you're wearing passing out. I'm worrying about, you know, like going to someone's house and destroying your toilet. (laughs) Jackson Pollocking the place. Yes. (laughs) This is a good Jackson Pollock painting. I mean, well, just to show you, like, how ladylike I was raised, that almost actually sounds more frightening to me than, like, passing no. out. Like, I had, like, this Victorian ideal of, like, the prettily passing out. I was quite Thank sure. You, I was assured by my husband it was not pretty. I was, like, free-flow bleeding. It was much more rocky than it was Little Women. It was, oh. Yeah. I still have, like, this scar. It's, it's very cute. I, I want better stories, though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so, like, there is, like, that huge fear of, yeah. like, what happens or like my dad and I hope he's okay with me saying this and if he isn't I'm so sorry dad you're wonderful um (laughs) but when he started getting sick he still wanted some level of autonomy Mm -hmm. because he's one of the like most lively people I know like he is he loves his bookstores and Mm -hmm. he went out um using paratransit which is a thing in California where you can schedule a car to come pick you up and drop you off. This is not Uber, people. This is... Oh, it's a bu- bus. Yeah, well, it's a bus, and they pick up a whole bunch of people and drop you off. So you schedule the time to drop off and the time to pick up, and there's no changing that. Right. Um, and it's very static. So it, it, this was years ago, and he ended up out there, and it's right at the beginning of his um, lack of function. And he ended up being frozen on a street in Berkeley. And because he looks like the hippie that he is... He was frozen and couldn't move and couldn't speak. And people are just walking by this very, you know, nicely looking older guy who they just kind of figured was a little off, which, you know, dad, I love you, but it's fair. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But he was not able to get help because he couldn't speak. So it's just another thing that that frightened him into not going out again and not leaving again. Yeah. Yeah. But then there's (laughs) the fear of your, I mean, like, seriously, everything in chronic illness is... You do this, it's going to harm you. You do the opposite, it will harm you. Do the middle, it probably won't do... Well, it'll probably harm you, let's be honest. So you don't go out. Let's say that you're like, you know what? Everyone love you, but you have to come to me. Mm -hmm. Um, You still might have these issues at home. I have. I I have passed out in front of friends. I have... (laughs) Kiros cannot count how many times I have had to relocate myself during sessions of these. Mm -hmm. Um, He's had to watch me put my shoulder, my rib, my knee, my... Uh, well, you weren't there for the tibia, but no, but you got I, to listen wrist, to it on the phone. Your wrist was the one that disturbed me the most. Yeah, it was pretty gross. It's still not very pretty. Um, anyway, so these things happen at home. And then if you decide to isolate yourself, which I hear you, um, when I go through bouts of depression, good luck finding me. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, um, we, <laughs> I have, yeah. Anyway, uh-huh. other people's stories, I will not go into family stuff, but, right. um, I get really like, isolate <laughs> I hadn't noticed. Uh, yeah. Box. I am positive all the time. And if I'm not, you're not going to see. Yeah, it's something I'm working on, I swear. Um, but that does not help my depression. And no. I can get into some pretty dark forests that I have a hard time coming back from. I just happen to have some really good people who totally ignore me when I tell me to leave me alone and come over and force me back over to the... The chatty side. <laughs> or say, hey, I'm making dinner. Come over. Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, Kiris has done that to me a few times and <laughs> I've been MIA for a while. Huh, I bet she's uh, probably, like, <laughs> hibernated. Um, but, you know, talking about all these fears, but sometimes even going to the doctor makes it worse because, you know, 
you go through more and more fruitless tests. You spend more money, throwing more money after it, trying to figure out what the hell's wrong with you. Uh-huh. And, you know, then you got to worry about, you know, medical costs, medical bills. And then let's go back to the ultimate fear, like that moment that is like, the scariest moment like that I've ever had since before, like two lines on a pregnancy test, like the moment <laughs> of like sheer terror is um, you've just, you've been really, really sick. You don't have the diagnosis for it yet. And you're going to get your blood test results and you're mm. just waiting for them to tell you you're fine. You are the healthiest person ever. There's nothing wrong with you. That was me at my MRI when I was trying to find out whether I had a brain tumor or not. I, I have sat in so many doctor's offices biting my nails down to like bloodlines as like, I'm like, I've been passing out. I have, um, I, I don't feel well. I step and I cry. I, I don't know what's wrong. I, I can't do this anymore. And they're like, your blood tests are totally normal. You're fine. I don't know what you're, you're just, you know what it is? It's stress, honey. You're just stress. Really? <laughs> stress causes these things. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It does. I mean, stress causes every causes everything, didn't you know? I, I it's right up there with sugar, alcohol, and um, uh, wheat. Apparently, like oh, yes, if yes. I could just stop eating sourdough bread, I'd be fine. <laughs> and you know, even when you talk to the doctor, you're worried that they're not going to believe you. They're going to dismiss you, or if you, they do give you medication, will this actually work, or will the side effects be worse? I'm going to go back to the opioids for a second. I knew you would. I was setting you up for that. <laughs> he was. I love, he gave me a nice, did you see that softball he just lobbed? It was like watching like a person play with their kid. It was like the little nerf softball over. All right. So here's the thing that all of my friends that I've been talking about who are in chronic pain were on opioids. We go to the doctor. We are so fucking terrified of ending up on the list. Yep. And the list is the drug seeker list. And you can get on that list for going to different pharmacies, which you have to because most pharmacies are not carrying even the levels of opioids if they're carrying them at all. So you have to go to each pharmacy to find out who has it. That can land you on the list. Going to the hospital because your pain levels have gotten beyond what you can handle will put you on the list possibly. Um, again, this is all positions of privilege that I have that I'm afraid. So for people who do not have the same levels that, I have. This is so much harder for them. And I can only say from what my personal experience is, which is this is scary for all of us. Well, like you said, you look like a soccer mom. If somebody else doesn't look like <laughs> yeah. you know, soccer mom who walks in. And I mean, a soccer mom who has some cool tattoos, let's be real. But yes, true, I totally true. look like a soccer mom. And I come from a level of economic privilege. I have family that backs me up, that comes in and explains my whole medical history to people. Like, I'm lucky. And I'm having a lot of trouble. This is absolute torture for veterans where the VA hospitals have decided that the CDC's guidelines are law instead of guidelines. Yeah. Um, but we're so scared. Like I was scared to change pain doctors because my pain doctor is lovely and wonderful and he's amazing, but his specialty is spines. Um, that's the only part of my body that's working. It finished. Only thing. Knocking on wood. Just to uh, don't don't take that as a challenge, body. That was not challenge accepted moment. That's not what I was thinking. I'm you. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to see if I could find a different pain clinic doctor who might have an issue, had worked with joints, connective. There's no way I was finding one who knew all our stainless, but like just someone who knew how to deal with joints and different things like that but i couldn't switch because mm-hmm. switching doctors is another red flag so sorry that was my my little side of like fear and doctors and medication but the other medication fears are um the may the odds ever be in your favor label yeah. which is this may cause like i 
kid you not, for depression, I got saying this that may cause suicidal thoughts. I'm like, for depression? Exactly. I mean, I guess we're solving something, but it seems a little permanent. Like, Well, you know, I'm depressed, and this medicine may make me suicidal. That's not exactly helping the depression. I mean, I think that's why I came in, right? (laughs) So when I come in for a broken arm, you're just going to like, well, I guess you do re-break it sometimes for a broken arm. Bad analogy. I'm sorry, all, but I think you know where I was going with that. But like, there's so many ones where it's like, well, I mean, you know, like, I have all the pain I have, and I can take opioids, too. But with my IBS and everything else, opioids, if I have dairy, where dairy wants to get out of my system right now, and I have opioids, which block my system, that means that I turn into the Goodyear blimp, and I can't pass the gas, I can't do anything. And I have actually been in so much pain, I couldn't get, I, I mean, me, I'm not usually the, I can't get out of bed pain. I could not get out of bed for three days after two days, I was on Vicodin for two days, and then I accidentally got dairy at the hospital because when I was had a surgery. Oh, tell me I was that the in, hospital thing is in here, like the fear of what will happen to you in the hospital, losing oh, like God. autonomy. Tell me that's in here, right? No, it's actually not. Okay, well, we have to get back to that. Go ahead, cover it now. You're on. No, now. you were doing the good one. Like that was that was good, <laughs> good story. So yeah, I mean, you got to worry about side effects because sometimes the side effects of the drug are, you know, potentially worse than the what you're going in to be seen for. And. um Here's the other one. As we're getting more and more medications and interesting compounds, how is it going to react with the other meds you're on? Because a lot of the time they don't know. And being male, you do have a biologically male. You do have a huge up on, you know, we're just talking biology here, um, on someone who is biologically female who's still going through cycles is that depending on where you are in your cycle, you can absolutely react to different medicines in different ways. Mm-hmm. It's very frustrating. <laughs> I never know what I'm going to get when I open up pill bottles and I start like, t- and it's like, well, which ones do you take? And taking them together can really drastically, as I learned the other night, um, really change things and not for, not I don't, for well, I hate being high. I hate it so much. I am a control freak to the nth degree. I, I know. Yes, I know. And my children, if they ever hear this, are going to be laughing on the floor. Yes, I'm a total control freak. I hate being drunk. I hate being high. And uh, that was that was sheer terror because I hadn't like, I didn't do drugs at all in high school. Um, once accidentally in college, uh, like I really just didn't have the experience and I was so scared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is not something I handle well being out of control. Mm, that makes two of us. Yeah. So do I, do, do we get to cover the thing that we forgot to write in here that I want to definitely have in here? Go ahead. I mean, cause we're, we're ready to break between sections. So seriously feel bad for this poor man. He like, these are works of art. They're beautiful. They're organized. They are stunning and I completely ignore them. Um, I'm big, used to it at this point. So I refuse to go to the hospital even when I really should be in the hospital. And the reason is I hate to lose control. Mm-hmm. And I know that's kind of like a, a punchline here, but I think that a lot of you might actually understand what I'm saying. When you go into a hospital, you lose control of everything. You're um, you're bullied into things if yeah. they don't just outright do it. Um, you're trusting medical students who have just graduated. <laughs> I, I have to say that as a, a larger man, I don't have them bully me as often because they're. I think I intimidate people because mm-hmm. I'm such a big guy. Yeah, I I cannot intimidate even my pug. It's I no. am I am like negative. Like if you're gonna do a dice roll for like my character sheet, like <laughs> someone just remove the dice and just be like, yeah, no, there's <laughs> you know that fluffy dribble over there. Yeah, it laughed at you. <laughs> the last time I was in the hospital for something when I thought I was having, I actually thought I was having a heart attack because I was having arm pain. And tightness in the chest, and I was having total breathing. And it's like all at once, I'm like, oh, okay, no, I was having a panic attack. 
Um, but anyway, I was in the hospital, and they kept, you know, trying to push me into things. I'm like, no, if I just want to check this. I just want to check this. I just want to check this. We don't need anything else. Just check this. Thank you. <laughs> so if you ever think that I am not passive, you've never seen me with a doctor. Oh, I... There's, like, this moment when I see a white coat and a stethoscope that my heart rate drops down to nothing, and I just get scared, and I lose all ability to, like, say what I need or want. It's awful. Like, I don't know how to solve that. Well, now I know how to, how to get what I want when we're working. Oh, God. You know, a like... Coat and a stethoscope. I actually have a stethoscope. I can just get a white lab coat. There are so many jokes I can make right now, and I'm going to be so good because I'd like to put this up on YouTube, and we all know how much YouTube loves jokes like that. All right. I will walk quietly away from that. <laughs> um, but I I mean, if you've seen my picture, you know I'm, I basically look like some sort of weird mom Disney character. Like, I am not threatening at all, and they seem to take that as a reason to just start doing things, and it's, it's um, invasive a lot of the time, and I get so... I get very traumatized by being in hospitals. I've had way too much bad stuff go down when I'm in a hospital that I... Understandable. Yeah, losing control like that of like, and not knowing what they're doing or what, even if they know what they're doing. I trust the nurses. I, I don't get afraid around the nurses. I feel like they're capable. Like, yeah. they've got this. It is the 26-year-old doctor who came in and looked at my shoulder where my, my brachius, my upper arm was over by my boob. And I could fit my entire hand into my socket and just looked at me and went, does that usually happen? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, it's like me when I go to the doctor. Whenever I go to any of my doctors, the, the receptionist goes, how are you doing today? I'm like, well, if I was doing good, would I be here? <laughs> That's my favorite thing because it always throws them off their game because we used to everybody going, yeah, I'm fine. And I just like, would I be, if I was doing good, would I be here? And it always throws them off and they're like, uh, oh, that's a good point, isn't it? <laughs> when doctors, principals... Teachers or school counselors, can you tell what my ear was like? Call, they always ask, How are you? I'm like, Well, it's just going to depend on what you have to say next, right? Like, <laughs> I, I refuse to commit to an answer until I've heard why you're calling me. <laughs> and yes, I do say that. <laughs> oh, I, I have no doubt. Yeah, well. <laughs> um, are we lost on where we are in the. No, I have not lost my place. You're so good. I try. I am. Um, so, you know, when you get diagnosed or well actually before you night when you start having all these problems you start looking at yourself and like i said earlier stay away from researching your symptoms on the internet because you will just make yourself miserable and convince yourself you're dying but there are things you can do mm. you can join chat rooms facebook groups reddit forums where you can talk to people who have similar symptoms if you do know what you have or you suspect you have you can talk to people who do have it and say, hey i'm having these does it sound like what you've gone through and it won't be a diagnosis but it might get you ideas of like narrow things down people who've had experience don't don't like oh they say try this try that don't do that <laughs> but <laughs> talk but, to your doctor first <clears throat> and don't sue us yes but i'm saying it there that's a good place to go for you know like hey i'm i think i might have this what's that look like and you can talk to someone who actually has had that lived with it and they can tell you some of the things that life is like when you have that situation <laughs> sort of like listening to our podcast when you hear people talk about their life is like after diagnosis. Yeah. Oh, huge props to my Eller Stainless uh, community online. Which because, is what made me think of this one. Yeah. I mean, like, I can't tell you how many times I've been like, am I dying or is it Eller Stainless? Am I dying or is it Pots? Am I dying or is it Mass Cell? Like, it's amazing. But I do want to, like, put a little caveat in there is that you're going to read the worst of the worst in there, oh, too. Yeah. 
So you need to go into this with um, an understanding of that might not be your future. As you've heard, we've absolutely had people with the same diagnosis and we've interviewed different people. And I do that on purpose because just because you have the same disorder does not mean that's your story. Yeah. And it does not mean that you're going to end up in the same place. Ellie Stainless goes all the way from, huh, my joints feel sore and I'm super flexible in yoga class to I um, complete massive disability. Like there is a range. So I think mm -hmm. it's important when you're looking at these, these sites not to go, oh my God, they've had this disorder for this long. So this is what my future is going to look like. Right. You know, it, it's, it's more about looking for information rather than just some site on the internet talking to yeah. actual people is what I was trying to get at with and this. You did it very well. Um, once you actually get a diagnosis... Way I know what's wrong, but now what? Then things that crop, the fears that crop up are, what does this look like going forward, five years, ten years? What are my new limitations? Is there a cure? Like, you know, I said... I'm, I'm sorry, I, what's that? What, 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 what was that word you just said? Cure. It's, it's a, it was you mean 80s, people go to the doctor and they get a diagnosis and then a way to make it no, go away? The cure was a like a punk oh, band. Oh, I know the cure. <laughs> How old do you think I am? Of course I know the cure. Um, that's what that's the cure I was talking about. Sorry, uh, sorry, sorry. No, I was just trying to figure out like this mystical idea that there is a diagnosis, a protocol, and it goes away. Like uh, that. that uh, well, it happens for some this? people. No. It happens for some people. No. I've heard. I've let's, heard. let's go around the fire and tell a story. <laughs> <laughs> but so, yeah, I mean, like with, like I said, I'm still not sure if I've got early onset, uh, Alzheimer's or Parkinson's it's we won't know for years until I start if I develop the twitches and stuff like that then because there's no test for it either so it's just we have to keep watching it and uncertainty sucks <clears throat> sucks I mean like getting bad diagnoses sucked just as much but oh, yeah there's this like gray area of this holding pattern and if you've heard some of our other uh, podcasts with people who are trying to get a diagnosis one of the big things is lack of community if what we just talked about with these groups, they're because we have diagnoses and we can go into those groups and access that help. If you don't, you're missing communities and um, that that hold you up and help you walk through the forest. Like there's yeah. some there's some breadcrumbs when and, you have a diagnosis. And you can join some of those communities when you think you might have a diagnosis. Yeah, respectfully, kindly. Respectfully. Yeah. That's the problem is that, you know, you got to go in there respectfully because... The internet is an entertaining place. <laughs> that, yes, that's exactly, that's a better way of phrasing what I was thinking. Before war children. <laughs> um, and, you know, again, once you've got your diagnosis, can I get anything for it? Is there any, is there any medication? Is there, you know, if it's pain, is there pain medication or is, are you going to be labeled into that opioid crisis? Or are you going to have to go through a whole bunch of ridiculously painful procedures to prove you're a good pain patient? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like we need to have, like, you know how there's the 10 stages of grief? I feel like there needs to be the 10 stages of getting a chronic illness diagnosis. Because there is, like, this elation, I felt, like, when I got my diagnosis. I sat in the parking lot and I cried. I was so grateful to know that there was actually a reason this was happening. Mm -hmm. And that elation lasted just long enough to realize that the word cure is completely removed from right. anything. And the... the um, You've gone from, hey, this is something that's wrong with me that I might be able to get fixed, to, okay, well, I now know what it is, but there's no fix. So there's this high and then drop off. Yeah, and <laughs> then, like, I am, 
I mean, I seriously, I swear to you, I've never been diagnosed manic, but I do have this side of myself where I am super, we can get this done. This will, I will power through anything and everything. And then my, yeah, deep dark. But like the first thing I do is jump to like, well, I'll still be able to run my photography business with Eller Stainless. I've been doing it so far. The diagnosis doesn't change anything. Well, of course it, that didn't change anything. It was just that I had been putting so much stress on my body and, any of oh, yeah. you um, kind people who I used to photograph, you listen to the podcast, you you saw me stumble or fall down or um, all sorts of things. And it just got to a point where it was like, that, that just can't happen. But I had this idea that I could power through. Mm-hmm. Like, I am stronger than my illness. And that's such the myth that I think a lot of us get told through the media of the inspiration chronic illness stories. Right. Or, uh, there, or there's the rare person who, you know, they... They get the chronic illness, but they stay at a, a high level, fun- high functioning level. And so, they're like, oh, well, I did this. I did this. And you talk to them and they're like, well, I just went out and did this. I went out and did this. I'm like, yes, but it's pretty obvious from talking to you that you were at, you know, you were at like the highest level of that and you never got any worse. Yeah. And there's, I mean, like we said, there's, there's a whole bunch of different levels exactly. of this, but like there's, there's just this aspect of like if we were just more inspiring, we could push through any of this. And mm-hmm. I, I hate that that mythology because I think we we put it at least I put it on myself. Yes, and there's, me too. Yeah, that's I a tend to overdo hard it too. One. Yeah, and I I have um, smaller people, um, younger people that need my yeah, and um, but mine are still. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I have pets who are very demanding. And, yes. Yeah, and I, I do put more on my plate because I feel like if I fail with a lot on my plate, we're going back to fear, and we're going to like the real deep dark oh, yeah. fear here, is that if I put a lot on my plate and I fail, it's not because I was sick. It was because I Just put a whole much. bunch of stuff on my – yeah, I did too much. And if I had a whole bunch to do, at least I did some of it as opposed to like – and it's this is not healthy. Please do not think this is – I'm scared because you're describing me too, and I'm realizing it now that you're saying it. Like that's the exact same thing I do. Oh yeah, see, this, this was actually about him. I was just trying to like intervention. This isn't even a podcast. We're really just doing an intervention. <laughs> for the for, you for, cannot uh, flip me off on air and make people hear me. I was, I was going to say for those who can't see what I'm doing, I'm flipping her off right now. <laughs> well, I mean, I wouldn't even notice you. You pretty much. I feel like you almost just need a splint just to hold that finger up to me. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. So, so anyway, I feel like we need to have like some sort of like stages of not grief, but stages of like diagnosis afterwards, because there's nothing that helps you through the sudden like realization of this is your life. Maybe we need to take that on as a project to figure out what the stages of. If we do it, it's going to be like um, the hyperbole and a half pain scale where it's just fucking (laughs) hilarious. (laughs) Probably. Yeah, it has to be. But I will will give that a try after I finish the novel, the children's story I'm almost done with, the other podcast I'm working on, Uh uh and the YA novel. Yeah, that. Uh Yeah, I'll get to that one. So, you know, the the whole thing you were teasing about earlier about traveling, I'm leaving Saturday to go away for 10 days because I'm doing a writing retreat to do the plotting for my next book. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. Yeah, so uh, we we became friends for a reason. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Seriously, kill the love, all the love. Oh, my God. Can you – someone just back me up on how mean he is to me. Uh, nope, not mean. I, <sighs> yeah. just keep, I just keep you on your toes, which, you know, you should be a ballerina. You should be good at <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> so I'll go to something that isn't here because um, I have uh, a younger child, um, and then I have a <laughs> I have an almost adult. It hurts, um, but 
for any of you who are um, who are also parents or caretakers, um, I have to say one of the biggest fears I had was how my kids would take it. Um, if they would, and this is actually a big issue I'm having with my daughter, who's in the house, and if she hears this, she, we've already discussed this, but she loves helping. She's a wonderful, wonderful kid, and I'm so afraid that she will take on like, I'm going to be mom's caretaker. And like, no, 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 you've got a big, exciting life for you. And I am not your responsibility. I love your empathy. I really love when you get me water when I need it and I can't stand up. But I need you to understand this is not, like, that's a fear. And I like, hadn't even thought about that. But yeah, you're right. Oh, God, it hurts. And um, my disease is, um, right, uh, disorder, I guess it's not a disease, is genetic. And um, so someday we're going to have a whole, I, there's a panel planned um, about, genetic questions and big life decisions with chronic illness. But, um, I actually, it turned out, I just didn't have that diagnosis till after both my kids were born, but I use a wheelchair and my kids would use it as an extra chair in the house. Mm-hmm. And I cannot tell you the cold fear that went through my body every time they would sit down and play with it or pop wheelies with it. First off, I'm jealous. I still haven't figured out the wheelie thing yet. Um, but it just made me so frightened to see them in that chair. Like this is the not the yeah. last thing I'd want for them. There's other things that would frighten me more. GOP congressman, um, but crazy man in the White House. Yeah, that stuff. Um, if they they did that stuff, that would that would probably frighten me more. But um, I certainly don't want them to have the levels of pain and illness I've had. I I mean that's that frightens me. So that was that's always been a big like <laughs> icicle in my stomach. Yeah, I hear you there. Yeah. All right. So, getting lighter now. No. <laughs> no. no, we're not. Uh, that's 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 my little coping mechanism. Too dark. Too dark. Run. Um. And the the last topic we had, and I know we have some other things to talk about mm-hmm. talk about around this, but the last topic I had down was, what do you mean I have something else now? Because um, most people that have an invisible illness end up having more than one. Like you have your elbows down, and shiver your pots, and then mast cell activation and fibro and fibro and scoliosis. Okay. See. And I have my dairy allergy, my IBS, and my knee and feet problems. Yeah. So. It, it's sort of like, you think it's just like the thing that you get, but it's actually dominoes. <laughs> and, and it is. It, it really is. Because you feel like one thing happens, and sometimes they can lead into each other. Not, you know, sometimes directly, some not directly. Because, like, you know, I started having, I got my foot problems because I had um, work boots that were too tight. And they were we had to order from a certain source. They were British and they weren't, I always had wide feet and the British wide was not American wide. And so my feet ended up, I mean, come on, American wide is a whole nother metric in shoes, in (laughs) shoes. But it meant that I ended up damaging my feet permanently and changed the morphology of my feet such that I was constantly crushing a nerve in my foot. Yeah. And that's how I started having that. Then because I had trouble walking all the time, because I was really active before that. I had a job where I was on my feet 10 hours a day. And I started being not able to walk as much. And suddenly I started putting on weight, which caused some of my other problems. Mm. And, you know, sometimes those things snowball like that. Oh. And you can't, once you get going down that road, it's really hard. Or medication that puts on weight. And then that causes uh-huh. a whole bunch of other stuff. Or surgeries or like, you know, I have POTS. So any of you, my fellow fall down people, um, you can pass out from standing. Uh, you can pass out from walking too much. You can, you can just basically pass out. Let's just be fair. We are the we are the first ones out in the zombie apocalypse, and um, that deconditioning because you're scared to stand or exercise, that makes the pots so much worse. Like I got to a functional level because I got pedals 
to put beside my bed. Right. And then it was, it started with five minutes and then I'd pass out and I'd wake up and I do five more. Like I fought this hard for like six months and now I'm at a good conditioning level where I don't pass out very often, but it was, yeah, but it was like a whole bunch of factors. It was not just that. Do not do this and think that this is how you do it. Just talk to your doctor about it. But yes. deconditioning, it becomes a huge issue for heart issues and lung issues and circulation. Like with my dad, who's mostly bed bound, one of the biggest issues we have is trying to keep his circulation going yeah. because he developed diabetes from his medications. Yep. So it's, um, it's such a, it's constantly the snake eating its tail. Yep. It is, and it's terrifying because you never know what's next. That 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 notification was what's next. Yes. <laughs> I had a hey, husband about leaving that that's, on. Well, it's a husband trying to get a hold of me, and I usually have it on silent, but I was expecting a phone call earlier, and I forgot to turn it back to silent. Ah. Okay, so you have the, what is this new thing, and do I tell my doctor, because that was... That was what I just went through yeah. with the mast cell stuff was, oh, my God, am I going to have to go through all these tests and all this not being believed again with all these different specialists? Yeah. And, you know, and that, like you were talking about earlier, you know, there's that that list. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if you go saying, I now have this new problem, you're, am I, are you looking for drugs? Because now you've got this new problem you need medication for. You know, it's, it's sad when you're on a first-name basis with your pharmacist. Yeah, and... Um, <laughs> yeah, when you start getting their wedding invitations and, like... <laughs> Uh, I haven't gotten that far yet. Um, yet. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, but you also, um, a lot of people have had this issue. I'm trying to like talk around what I'm trying to say. It's probably going very badly. But um, the, oh, sweetheart. Oh, God. The, oh, you know, you might just be stressed. Um, what else is going on in your life? Oh, you're not sleeping enough. Well, are you kidding me? Of course I'm not sleeping. Okay. <laughs> not happening. Or you know, there's um, there's a lot of uh, patronizing. Yes. That and even I get that. Yeah. Um, and and he looks like a wall. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, they're going to draw like a little Disney like character of us someday. It's going to yes. be really hilarious. Yes. I'll be the squirrel. No. <laughs> Um, but that's always something that I'm afraid of to bring a new thing up to the doctor is like, are they just, or are they going to revoke the first like diagnosis that I fought so hard to get? Oh, actually it's this. So we're going to take this other diagnosis away. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's what I had happen at the fibromyalgia was like, that's what this is. You can just relax now. It's not going to kill you, but it's not going to be okay. It's going to be bad, but you can manage it. And that's what I worked under for like 20 years. Like that, that was the diagnosis I had. And um, I still have it. It wasn't taken away, but it, it, the stuff I was actually going through that I was going to the doctor for was something totally different. Yeah. Or what painful test will they decide I need to try to have, or what invasive test, which I will take the painful one over the invasive any day. So for this phantom smells thing, mm -hmm. I had to have an MRI on my brain, but it meant laying on a table with a cage over my face. Because I was strapped into this thing where I could not move. So that, that cage was literally an inch from my nose. Then go into an MRI machine mm -hmm. for an hour. Mm -hmm. Then they pulled me out long enough to give me a needle stick and inject something into me, a dye. And then stick me back in for another 30 minutes. And they couldn't get the needle stick to work. I have easy to find veins. Yeah, no, I'm, look I'm Three, looking at him from like across the table and I can see his veins. Three tries. First one, they got it in. And as soon as I started injecting the dye, it slipped through the vein, and they injected the dye into my arm, which made my hand feel like it was on fire for the next three hours. 
Second time, they couldn't find it. The third time, they finally found it, and we got going, but... So we're going to have to do, like, a panel of, like, hospital horror show stories. Oh, like, I think we just all need to get our trauma out there and just... I can't pay for therapy, so I'll do that. <laughs> no, but, like, in America, I read this little thing on um, Pinterest, because huh, if you ever want to find me, that's where I'm at. Um, but poverty charges interest in America. Yes. And that's the truest thing I ever heard. Like, you ignore that lump in your breast during... For, like, a minute, the next year, you're dealing with stage three. You ignore that cavity, you're dealing with a um, root canal I feel like fear also works that same way as poverty in that like I was so scared of an invasive test that I had symptoms of cancer I don't have cancer all um, but I did have the symptoms and I avoided it for eight months that could have been fa- that was ridiculous that was mm-hmm. so stupid but I'm so traumatized going to the gynecologist like I I will avoid it for any reason at all. And the the fear keeps you from actually going and getting these tests that you need to get to be preventative or even to catch things early. Right. Or, you know, you're afraid to go because you're afraid you will find out something and you don't have, you're worried that's what it's going to cost. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, like I can't tell you how many of my friends have had breast cancer in the last um, five years and uh, that's expensive. Like yeah. there's no way around it. Like in the United States, uh, we go bankrupt being sick. There's that, that's not a fear headline you're reading. That no. is absolutely our reality here is you get sick. Um, yeah. And it's some people, there's this one GOP person on the social media site I was on and I'm trying a new, nicer, kinder Monica. I'm working on it. But they were saying, um, all of this is BS because every hospital has to treat anyone who walks in. No. Um, yes, legally, but they don't have to write down a diagnosis, which means that they don't have to treat and they kick people out or they still bill you. Yeah. You still end up with that debt. So yeah, let's just be clear, everyone. In yeah, they have to treat you. You just may, you know, be in debt for the rest of your life. No, but I mean, like, they can also write down, and they have done this, write down wrong diagnoses, like heartburn instead of tumor, so that they can get people out. Yes, there's actually documentation on this. Um, there are a lot of things that are done. And hey, if you're listening to this and you know these stories, please feel free to, like, link. Let us know, link, yeah. But link news stories. Please know. Yes. Um, you can absolutely say your antidotes um, if it's yours. Please feel free. But um, if you're going to actually like go to the man argue, we have a whole bunch of links. Um, please do the same. Please link your stories to credible news sources because yes. I feel like if we're going to like really fight this administration, <laughs> guess where we are on the political spectrum. Um, if we're going to fight, I feel like we don't fight with emotion. We fight with actual facts. And yeah, that's my own little. Yeah. So going with the theme of like our podcast, my cat is now meowing at the door. Like this yes. is what happens every single time a pet will. <laughs> yes. I guess it's just like how it goes when you have this many animals, like small farm here. Yes, it is. Yeah. If it's not the chickens, it's the cats. If it's not the cats, it's the dogs. If it's not the dogs, it's the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Or the that's, husband. That's me. Or the husband. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the the then we kind of take turn into the really dark oh because i wasn't like just skipping down the dark garden path yes let's go to suicide that sounds fun um really quick before we do that let's just um at the top of this uh page go to our show notes we will have a hotline yes if you are having any of these feelings um we will have the hotline for phone or if you have anxiety we will have the text hotline please use these um you are cared for. We care. Yes. Um, you're worth it. And I promise you a permanent solution is permanent. Yes. Everything else can change. Um, so please use those hotlines. Okay. That was my, my I, PSA. I'm, I'm going to kind of tag right on that. 
there were there I have I personally attempted suicide twice. And I both times I thought there was nothing left to live for. And yet I am my life now is I mean, yeah, for all my aches and pains, there my life is rough. But my life is more incredible than I ever imagined it could be at the times that I was so dark. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of us have those experiences. And so I, de I def definitely say don't give up because there is a brighter day there. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've certainly been there myself uh, many times, and I am so grateful that I'm clumsy <laughs> and I read directions badly. Um, no, I've certainly been there. Um, I, I actually don't know many people who haven't attempted. So if you yeah. are looking around you thinking you're the only person who has gone through this, um, I and that's promise what we you, talked and about. no shame. There is no shame in this. And that's why we talked about the communities, too, because that's a good way to find people to talk to when you need to just talk. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But no shame. There is, I, I hope you never feel shame about what you've been brave enough to endure so far. Yeah. And, you know, so the, what I'd written down here is, is it's too much for one person to bear thoughts of suicide. Losing relationships because they can't bear the ever-increasing hardship of being around you or taking care of you. Yeah, I had that happen. Um, I had someone I was ready to marry who just said, I cannot do this. I'm in my 20s. I cannot I cannot be there and do this with you. And that was, I, I'm still lucky my husband and I were best friends for three years before we even dated. Right. So he saw all of this. Like There was no, there was no, no surprise. Mental, physical. <laughs> he saw me um, abs at my worst and best like he was there for all of it so i was really lucky that when we decided to get married there was there was no well i mean i'm sure there's been surprises i'm sure he will absolutely argue that oh, yeah, i have never been, been boring well not that's once. for sure <laughs> not at all um but he did have a very clear idea of what we were looking at for a future together but that's really hard when you suddenly get sick and you're like the suddenness like yeah. i've always been i've been sick since i was eight like just suddenly being sick is terrifying. Yeah. Suddenly being sick in a, a permanent relationship or a new relationship, that's that's a whole other level I, I, I would like to say I empathize with, but I don't understand. And we've talked about it before about, you know, do you disclose on the first date, second date, that you have this chronic illness? <gasps> you know, we've talked about oh, that. And, and that's another fear in, in and of itself. Yeah, this is why my husband and I have the, or I have the no divorce, no death. I am never dating again, ever, 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 no. And then the last two things that I had here about the the kind of the, the darkest things on the list. Mm -hmm. We talked about briefly earlier about, you know, the isolation. You get lonely and isolated because you can't go out. You can't guarantee you can go out. Even you want to make, you want to make plans. But you end up finding out that, oh, well, I got sick today. I can't go out. I mean, how many times have I canceled on you at like 10 minutes per hour? I'm supposed to oh, be I know. I know. And I've had to do it too. So I understand. Um, it's both frustrating as the person who's being canceled on and frustrating as the person who has to cancel because you really wanted to do something. You really wanted to get out of the house. It wasn't like, you know, you just didn't want to go. It's like, oh, I really want to go, but I'm miserable. Yeah. Or and dealing with the jealousy of when people come back from all of these things and oh, tell you about what a FOMO. great time they had. Or, Fear of missing boy, out. you've got to go travel through Europe because it's so wonderful. And I mean, I will agree. It is wonderful. And I did love traveling through Europe. But it's... Well, even recently, you went to uh, Filoli with David. Yes. But, you know, that's a big park. I don't think I could... My, I don't think my feet and my knee would handle it. I was a walking opioid epidemic for the day, and I had my canes. And, and David's um, like, oh, we should go, we should go, we should go. And I'm like, 
I'm not sure I could handle that. Ah, well, uh, the great news about places like this, you don't have to do the full walk. Yeah. You can do, like, the Rose Garden is just right there. And Foley is decent at their ADA. They're, um, they're pretty good. You can get around in a wheelchair for some of it. Okay. Um, but anyway. Just what I will say is this. Uh, David is uh, Kiris's husband. Um, one of One of his husbands. I love both of them so much. Um, and it shows anyone who knows me how much I care about them and how much I trust them because I trusted to get in a car with David who I mean I don't spend as much time with as I spend with you but he's such a gentle kind person that I was like you know what even if I had to go to the hospital I don't feel like I would be embarrassed with him I feel like I'd be okay like and that I don't trust people like that like ever and I trusted him like that I was like oh this is the person I would actually make plans with because I don't feel like I'd be scared to say I can't or I know we <laughs> plan yeah I know like or the like I know we plan to go to like okay so I had tickets to Hamilton Hamilton mm. like I had tickets and I was so scared to go because um I don't know if I want to tell the whole story I'll tell the part story um I was really scared to go to where the Orpheum is mm -hmm. in a wheelchair at nine o'clock at night and have to park far away for so many reasons. First off, I'm like, these are really expensive tickets, and we might get to San Francisco and have to turn back around. Mm -hmm. um, anyone who's been to the Orpheum at 9 o'clock at night knows that it's not the safest place to be. Not a good neighborhood, be. no. Um, I do have anxiety there, and I have PTSD there. So I have real issues going there anyway during the daytime. It's just one of these things where I was just like, I was so scared to go. This amazing experience I wanted so badly. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even have to pay for the tickets. Someone had given them to us. And I felt so bad. I just called them up. I'm like, I'm too scared to go. I'm too scared I won't even be able to go. That right. Please give them to someone you think would actually be able to definitely show up for this. Like, I didn't want to take that away from someone else. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, but it's just, it's all these things that, like, stack up. Like, it's not like you can just grab your wallet, your meds, and walk out the door a lot of the times. So there's so many things to consider and consider, like, how judgy people will be. How well do you know this person? Yeah. Or could you even get stuck somewhere? Oh, yeah. It happened to me. Yeah. I mean, this, I'm thinking from, like, the days before Uber and Lyft where you could just, like, go, Oh, yeah. Help. Um, because I couldn't do anything before Uber and Lyft. Um, I'm sorry. I won't give Uber any voice before there was a lift um you could i couldn't do any of this stuff i couldn't like decide to maybe even go by myself somewhere because i knew if i got trapped i could go to lift and um no they aren't sponsoring us i just have huge issues with how uber treated women and um a lot of their business practices oh smirk 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 um same thing but things like that did open things up, which was back to our technology talk yeah. of like, if you're against technology, I'm guessing you're probably not very sick because um, all the things that I'm afraid of, technology does help answer quite a bit of it. Yeah, that's one thing that technology has been really good at is solving problems that affect a lot of people and chronic illness is affecting more and more people all the time yeah and then we also have that baby boomer generation that is aging into the ultimate chronic illness getting older yeah and i, I think most of us are just waiting for those self-driving cars i'd love it mm -hmm, that'd be great I, i'm in <laughs> <laughs> and the last thing on my list is we're running down the clock here oh yeah oh god yeah the the big the big enchilada the fear of death you know is this thing I have gonna end up killing me is it something that's you know like with what I've been I mean a lot of like I said like you can tell I wrote this while I was scared about having a brain tumor and and or Parkinson's because as as much as the brain tumor scared me the Parkinson's actually scares me more because 
it's something that's degenerative that you slowly disappear. You're you yourself, just like Alzheimer's. There are things where the essential you disappears, and that scares the hell out of me. I don't think anything is more frightening to me than the idea of, well, actually the, the scariest one for me is the idea of being a shell. Like I, the idea of like being aware, but not being able to, because mm-hmm. I'm a control freak people. Um, that is terrifying to me, <laughs> but like, I don't, it's a fear of death. That, that's been a hard one. Um, Cause I used to think I knew exactly what I thought. And I was mm-hmm. very certain I knew what I thought about everything because I was so much smarter when I was 20. Exactly. I, I was so certain when I was a teenager in 20. Um, Six, 16 to about 27, you think you know everything. Oh, my God. Then at 27, yes. it's like someone hits you in the face with a pie and goes, guess what? You didn't know shit. Oh, no. I was a great mom before I had children. I knew exactly <laughs> how I was going to do everything. Everyone's children who were misbehaving. They're only misbehaving because I wasn't their mother and I didn't have them in hand. Oh my God. I'm so sorry to everyone who knew me before I turned 40 and I was a judgmental pain in the butt. My apologies. Um, it's a growing experience, this thing called life. <laughs> yeah. And nobody gets out of it alive. No, no. And having a teenager, I'm sorry I was wrong. Um, wow, I was really wrong. I deeply <laughs> apologize. Uh, yeah, that's become my lexicon in marriage and raising kids. <laughs> I thought I knew. I don't. I'm uh, sorry. No clue. Um, so, yeah, fear of death. Yeah. I, well, Jesus, like, it's the fear of death and the fear of decline. Yeah. And we're ending on that note, really? This is what we're putting people oh, to... I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We, we, we can come up with something... You quick. are not allowed to write that. I didn't go all the way to the end. I'm like, wow, all right, hey, and hey. exit stage left. Well, this one is one about fear, so I mean, it makes sense. We're so we're going to leave you note. terrified and sad. All right, so you'll definitely have to tune in next week where we talk about some other disorder that you can... <laughs> We're doing great here. This is fantastic. Um, but also, in all, in all seriousness, it, it is a fear we all have. Um, but, you know, honestly, having dealt with, when, when, when my appendix ruptured, I thought for sure I was going to die. Because my appendix ruptured and they weren't believing me. So, I've already kind of dealt with the, the fear of death on that, on one occasion already like that. And you got to just live every day, one day at a time. Because you, you can't get stuck thinking, oh, what's going to happen Five days, ten days, even, you know, five years, because it's going to happen when it's going to happen. You know, you could have a chronic illness and think that you're going to die, you know, in two years from your chronic illness and then turn around and get hit by a car tomorrow. <laughs> Yay. Um, again, he's really helping, isn't he? I mean, I, I'm going to I'm gonna recommend he become a therapist. Um, in all seriousness, uh Seneca, um, there's a, a book on stoicism that, um, yeah, nice eyebrow raise there. Um, I actually, I really do like Tim Ferriss, and um, he recommended the book. Uh, he talks very openly about his own um, suicide attempts and um, his own depression, and I'm very grateful he did because he has some incredible ideas of how to work with us and how to deal with this, but the, that book was a really good book to read for someone who's afraid of death. It, it doesn't deal specifically with that, but it does... It does answer a lot of questions in a uh, a not moralistic standpoint, which yeah. I always appreciate. <laughs> All 
Are we so, done? Okay, think, before we go, since we depressed the hell out of you. We did get a lot of laughs in, though. Yeah, we did. Okay, so go watch something funny and lovely. Go watch Kittens on YouTube or, like, A Hamster Eating a Tiny Burrito. I promise you it makes it better. Um, but please, if you are listening to this and you have been depressed and sad, reach out. I know it's hard. I know that's stupid advice because when you're depressed, it's impossible to reach out. But if you can pull anything that you miracle off that you can to make that phone call, we will have all the numbers up at the top. Um, and and I'll, we'll throw a, a, maybe a, a video link to the bottom, something silly or something. That, we that will, we, I will put a YouTube thing in the, yes. the bottom. And, um, so that yes. you, know, you, can, you can hear something or see something funny to, to take away from some of this uh, heavy stuff we've been talking about this last hour. Absolutely. And in the comments, if you have things that you've done that really did help you, um, please put it in the comments. I, I we always appreciate that um, when you're tweeting go ahead and um, tweet out with um, something that that makes you smile tweet out with a gift tweet out with the meme um, and, and yeah. not a horrible meme be nice <laughs> don't be nice be funny and witty well not just be nice be kind oh be gentle and be a badass be a fucking badass tune in next week hit subscribe and say really embarrassingly nice things about us on iTunes see you next week <laughs>